Welcome back to the Health in Motion podcast. I'm your host, Evie. And if you are new here, welcome. And what we do at every episode is start with breathwork exercise. We do two to three rounds of breathwork, really because the purpose of this is one, breathwork is really important for nervous system and a lot of other functions in the body. But two, most of us don't actually take the time to do any breath work and to really slow down throughout the day. So my goal here is if you're listening to this, this might be the one chance or reminder for you to actually take a second and do some breath work for yourself. So you can do this while you're in the car. You can do this while you're out taking a walk, while you're you know, running errands, whatever you might be doing while you're listening to this. This is something that you can do while you listen. So for today's breath work, I'm going to do cadence breathing. This is also called boxed breath. You might have heard it in that way, but it's really about thinking of you're going to do an inhale, a hold, an exhale and a hold, and they're all going to be for the same amount of time. So most people can start with a four to five second round. So we're going to actually do five seconds. So you're going to inhale through your nose for five seconds. You're going to hold that for five seconds. You're going to exhale through your nose for five seconds and then hold again for five before taking your next inhale. So we will do two rounds of this. So we'll go ahead with a five second inhale through the nose. Hold that for five. Exhale for five. Hold again. And now go ahead and inhale through the nose for five, four, three, two, one. Hold for one, two, three, four, five. Hold one, two, three, four, five. And exhale one, two, three, four, five. All right, beautiful. So again, that is cadence breathing. I do have videos on my YouTube channel explaining more about cadence or boxed breath. Uh, feel free to check that out. You would just search holistically restored on YouTube. All right. Again, if you are new, the next thing that we do in the episode is review the health challenge from the previous episode. So if you haven't listened to that, I had Tommy Mormon, who is the co-owner of Hi-Fi Yoga here. And we talked all about the studio and what he does for fitness and why that matters to him. So that was a great conversation. If you haven't listened to it, go back and check that out. But Tommy did give two challenges. The first one was to experiment with going vegan or maybe incorporating more vegan meals. Uh, Tommy explained his journey to becoming vegan and what that means for him. And so he just challenged you to just experiment with that, maybe have more meals that are vegan throughout the week. And he also suggested and challenged you to do a little bit more with mobility. Uh, he's been doing th some things with foam rollers and other little tools. Um, but he said, just get on your foam roller or do some mobility flows or do something like that to get your body moving and loosened up. So those are the challenges. I definitely did a little bit more of the vegan stuff this past week. Um, I typically try and have a day or two during the week where I don't have any meat. Um, so I did a lot of like lentil soups or did more things with squash. So a lot of other ideas there for me. And then mobility, I typically do foam roll stuff when I lift anyways. So that was something that I had been incorporating already. So it wasn't necessarily something new for me, but definitely had neglected. So it was good to have that reminder to go back to. Today's guests are the owners of Prevail Strength and Movement here in Cincinnati, Ohio. Sarah and Andrew have created the perfect space to overcome opposing forces. Their services are designed to strengthen the whole person, 
and create a community of like-minded people who seek more abundant living through greater strength and better movement. Welcome, Andrew and Sarah. Thank you for having us. Thank We're you. excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited for you guys to be here too. I feel like we've like we've talked throughout the process of you guys opening Prevail. I mean, I've known Andrew for a long time too, and it's like finally we get to do this in a formal setting so people can hear more about the gym. So um, really just to start, I'd love for you guys to share more about yourselves and share how you guys met, how you decided to open Prevail, and just talk a little bit about the gym. Sure. Uh, so Andrew and I met, um, we were both trainers at the same facility, and um, we some of our skill set overlaps, but some doesn't. And I think that kind of brought us together because we observed what the other was doing and kind of wanted to learn more. Um, and sort of our natural curiosity is something that we share, uh, which is a double-edged sword. <laughs> um, getting things done sometimes is just a little bit of a rabbit hole. Um, but yeah, so we, we discovered that we kind of became fast friends, both in a professional and a personal setting. And um, yeah, we discovered that while we might like present, you know, our like things that we do might be look a little bit differently. We were really coming from the same place, like fundamentally, um, you know, philosophically, we believed in the same things in the fitness space. Yeah. And so when did you guys actually decide, okay, let's go and do this gym together? Yeah, we were um, talking about this and Sarah used the phrase um, COVID baby. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, and so um, early last year um, with the, the gym shut down, which was in March, and then things didn't reopen until June, um, you know, circumstances were pretty dynamic with masks and, um, you know, different people um, in different facilities having like different levels of comfort and, um, you know, things were moving pretty fast and we were training people outside and lots of different things were going on. Um, but ultimately the way things coalesced in the summer of last year is that we both found ourselves in just less than optimal like situations for our personal training styles, what our clients needed, their level of comfort, um, at the facilities we were at. And so, um, you know, we had kind of, um, I don't even know if we'd really entertain the notion of like working together in like a formal sense or like entering into a, like a formal partnership. Um, but one thing led to another, the, the, uh, location that we're at where prevail is at now, like abruptly opened up because somebody kind of hung up their hat who had a gym there previously. And so I don't know, once things, um, like clicked into gear, um, it was really just, I don't know, like a couple of weeks or something like that. We're like, okay, we're doing this. We're going to do it at this facility. We're, we're going to start accumulating equipment, which was very difficult last year. You might yeah. be aware of that with supply chain issues and all of that. So there was, um, it was kind of born out of adversity a little bit. Um, but yeah, by the time, um, the fall rolled around kind of like uh, September, um, October, we had a lease and, um, we started training people in prevail, um, at the, uh, the end of October last year. So I think that's important because like at that time, everyone was like, shit, what are we doing? Like, mm -hmm. what are we going to do? Like, especially people in this industry of like, what am I going to do? Like, am I going to see clients? Do I go do something else? And you two were like, no, we're going to keep doing this and we're going to find a way to do it. And so like, I, I like that you said through adversity because it really was, you took that really horrible situation and you're like, well, what can we do to make it better? And actually can still continue to serve our clients because I, you know, from a client perspective, you know, that's something scary too, of am I going to be able to train with my trainer? What is going to happen to this gym? Is it going to go under? So I think it's great that you guys thought, okay, you're problem solving for both yourselves and also your community as well. 
So where is Prevail? We haven't talked about where that is yet. Yeah, so um, Prevail is, um, it's pretty central, um, a little bit um, on the east side of town, but we're on Red Bank Road, um, just south of um, Madison. Um, so we're north of Lunkin Airport um, in like Beachmont Levee, south of um, Madison Road. So the easiest way to get to us is like right off of exit nine mm -hmm. um, on 71, and then just go south a couple of miles and we're uh, right across from the Walmart. Yeah. yeah. Well, it is a beautiful facility. I've <laughs> been you. there a Thank couple of times. Yeah. I went when you got, you hadn't gotten all of your equipment yet. And then I was just there recently training with Andrew and it's beautiful. I love every, like the color scheme is perfect. And you guys have such fun toys. Thank you. Which is amazing. <laughs> I think that plays a role into the type of training that you both do. I think yes. because your backgrounds, you're like, we, you know, I want to have this. And it's not like a frou-frou gym at all. It's like real fun toys for people who love getting into that stuff. So, yeah, that was definitely a priority and definitely part of both of us, like we wanted to, um, Prevail was born, like Andrew said, out of adversity. The time that we had to come together, it was sort of like we um, know that we're not serving our people in the best way. How can we best and quickly close the gap so that we can have a space that reflects our values? And even though it seems like a stretch, opening and building something brand new was the best mm -hmm. and most effective way for us to do that. And um, part of our mission is to provide opportunity and accessibility. Mm -hmm. So that means having specialty things in our facility that will suit every individual's needs. Yeah. Um, that's very important to us, um, kind of like when there's a will, there's a way like we wanted to create this space. We did it. But if there's a person that feels like there's barriers to movement or strength because, um, you know, they need something additional, like we want to be able to provide that. So it's important for us to have a spectrum of tools um, at our fingertips so that we can problem solve for our clients in in real time and truly provide them with what they need. Yeah. What are some of those tools or what are some of the equipment that you have that you probably won't see at other gyms or that was really important for you guys to have because you knew this would be this would lessen the barrier for people? Yeah, sure. So um, the the footprint of our facility has two rigs that we custom built. Andrew and I collaborated to design them and both of the rigs have different purposes. They both can be used for some similar things, but there's also things that are kind of meant to be done on one or the other. Um, we have a movement rig and a strength rig. It reflects our brand. It reflects our name. Um, and so when those rigs were being designed, we specifically were thinking, okay, what are all of the movements and all of the um, patterns and things? How do we want to be putting people in these things? Not only from an individual standpoint, but just from like a, how can we put, you know, how can we build a community? So we want people to be comfortable being near each other. Um, but also, you know, we were taking COVID into consideration when we were building out that footprint. So our rigs are specialty, you know, no one else in the world has the rigs that we have. Um, we also have some special barbells, something called um, the safety squat bar, which you will probably only see in specialty barbell gyms, powerlifting gyms, strength training gyms. Um, it has, you know, a different camber to it. So it's going to load the body in a different way. We have some uh, bars that either decrease or increase range of motion on certain lifts, um, a lot of things that both can accommodate um, 
you know, people's training history. So for instance, if you have a shoulder issue, you know, we want to both, we want to give you access to as much as you have at that time while Mm -hmm. simultaneously addressing the issue that's going on. So just because you have a funky joint or a history of back pain, whatever we have access to, we're going to train that. And then we're also going to work on getting you out of that dysfunction and out of that pain and out of that discomfort. So we need different tools to be able to do that. And um, for Andrew and I, both of us had been training in facilities um, that were great, but they just weren't suiting our needs. And so we all, it was good for us, I think, professionally, because we had to develop like a really significant creative edge where we were taking traditional things and working backward and problem solving. But now when we have the resources and we have our own space, we want to have the best. That makes a lot of sense of like almost working backwards of what are people, because in a traditional gym, maybe they don't have the tools to do that, to work backwards, to get them back, to go even further, right? Like take, it's a setback, but it's going to propel you forward. So that makes a lot of sense that you did that. And that you also saw that from your other experience and you decided to not repeat that and have better tools for people. Right. Yeah. Andrew, we worked with Mace. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so um, um, Mace is, uh, is uh, has been around for, uh, by all accounts, like, I don't know, a couple thousand years originating in India. Um, it's an asymmetrical um, kind of instrument. Um it looks like a mace, <laughs> um, but it's he- more heavily loaded on one end than the other. And it's a very unique tool because um, because of the like the, the lengthy um, handle on it, it loads um, the body in very unique ways. Um, it's it's very useful for teaching people about leverage and you know holding something away from the body as opposed to close to the body. Um, it can be used as a strength implement. Um, it's also you can create a lot of momentum <laughs> with a mace that can can get away from you, but um, can be a very effective tool. It's also amazing for um, rehabilitating um, shoulders that have been injured. A lot of people have um, shoulder issues that limit their ability to reach overhead, press out in front of their body, um, things like that. Um, And there are a lot more people who are just walking around with kind of like a wonky shoulder um, uh, who um, maybe it's not a really acute situation. So the mace is very useful from maybe like even like a post rehabilitative standpoint, but also you know, as you witnessed um, can be fairly challenging, you know, as an implement. Um, I put it like a little bit more on the continuum, like over toward like kettlebells um, and maybe instruments that have found their way into like more conventional gym settings, even like larger, maybe like Globo gym settings, um, maybe in like the past 10, 15 years, but are still might seem like a, a little bit of a novelty. But, um, you know, Sarah was talking about with the safety squat bar and um, some other toys, as you mentioned, um, we um we like to we're very thoughtful about adopting and bringing in um you know um you know new and maybe unique instruments that aren't in in conventional gyms but it's not gimmickry um i think that that's an important thing i've i've encountered that with a couple of people like even with the mace like oh this is just kind of a trendy thing right now um but if we find utility with something and we can reach um a member of our community with an instrument um or like a, a modality or a tool or whatever, we're not afraid to go there. We're not afraid to incorporate that. And so Sarah and I are um, maybe, a, you know, we have definitely have like specializations, but we're a little bit more general in that sense. And we want to incorporate any tool that's going to provide like a meaningful advantage to helping someone strength train. Um, and so different people are coming to um, 
the gym space want to get stronger, but that, you know, everyone has their own unique history. Everybody's body is a history. And so we want to be able to, um, adapt to them. And I think that's reflective of like our coaching styles is we're not necessarily asking people to adhere to like this objective standard. We want everyone to get stronger. Um, but everyone's pathway to that is a little bit different. And so we want to have the tools like Mesa's, um, where we can, um, you know, help people bridge that gap. Yeah. And I'm going to post a video of me doing the mace stuff that Andrew was talking me through so that when you're listening, go to my Instagram, you'll see this probably posted with the actual announcement of this episode, but it was really, really cool. And it was uh, surprisingly challenging because I'm like, <laughs> oh, this is what 10 pounds we did, or maybe even yeah. eight pounds. Yeah, 10 and, pounds. and I'm like, wow, this is actually getting really heavy and this is really difficult. And I thought I had pretty good range of motion and now mm -hmm. I'm feeling like I can't move this. So definitely something interesting. And the flow is really interesting too. There's like these flows to mace. Sure. Uh, like it's almost like this, I describe it as this choreography almost. Yeah. And so that's something really cool. I think that takes it a step further. Mm -hmm. um, but you guys, you both mentioned wanting to adhere and support your clients and people who come through the door. So who is coming to prevail? You know, what type of athletes or people come and, you know, what are, what should they expect when they walk through those doors? Yeah. Um, so we, kind of on the in logistical side of things, you know, who, who are our people? Um, we train everybody um, across a wide spectrum. So that could be, you know, post rehab, someone is in the phase where they had some kind of acute injury and they are maybe have completed PT or sort of starting to exit the PT um, and they're looking for, you know, ramping back up to normal activity. Um, there seems to be a bit of a gap sometimes between the end of physical therapy and being able to, especially if it's an active person, um, kind of getting back to their normal lifestyle. So that is definitely, uh oh, that's definitely a client that we see. Um, but then also people who um, are have a sedentary history and are just interested in moving a little bit more, getting stronger, all the way to like a more traditional person that you would see in a barbell gym, high school athletes, college athletes. Um, but I think the the common thread with our community and of course, you know, our gym was created with our community in mind. And then anybody new that's coming to us, they identify with, you know, kind of what we're putting out there, which is um, just, you know, open-mindedness, growth. They're interested in, in getting strong. Um, they're interested in educating themselves about their body. They're interested in having autonomy in their own body. And so, you know, we have um, a doormat that says, come as you are, and we truly mean that. So if any part of any person is interested in getting stronger and moving, we're interested in talking to them. Um, so our clients, you know, they they philosophically are kind of on the same page as us and and we enjoy working with people who are interested in learning and who we can also learn from. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's important to to note that it is, it's not just a specific type because there are some gyms that it's like, you come here to do this type of exercise, but you guys also are like, well, if you want to do that, great, we'll do it with you. Or if you're interested in this, we'll do that with you too. So it's nice that you cater to all sorts of goals and what they want essentially with the underlying theme of let's get stronger yes. so that way you can function better. Yes. I say that to my clients frequently because I have people who, you know, they wouldn't maybe consider themselves, you know, gym rats. They don't enjoy being inside. They're more of maybe like they want to be cycling. They want to be running. They want to be rock climbing. Um, but my message to them is, I want you to be able to do the things that you love for as long as you want to be able to do them. And the way to do that is to be strong through strength training. So 
whether you love going to the gym and you're lifting four days a week and that's your bread and butter or you're simply doing it as a means to an end, that is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but for us, movement and strength is non-negotiable and we're here to provide that for you regardless of what your end goal is. Yeah. And what would programming look like? Do you like you do personal training? Is it one on one group? Do you have classes? What are you offering to your community? Yes. So um Through Prevail Strength and Movement, we have a signature program called Prevailing Strength. It's an open gym format. The monthly subscription is um, it provides clients with two time per week individual uh, whole body training. So they're going to get strength, mobility and cardio in a two time per week program that's dropped through our Trainerize app. Mm -hmm. In addition to their formal training, they have access to our facility in 25 plus additional open gym apps. Hours. So for instance, you know, say for you, Evie, it would be you'd come in two days a week, you would do both of your programs and then say you are interested in working with the mace. Andrew showed you some things and you just want to work on some skill based stuff. You can come in on your own, you know, do what you would like to do. You could do breath work. You could, you know, do some cardiovascular. So again, opportunity and access um, to provide them with that. And um, it is a self-led program, but um, the design is pretty much like a curriculum. So there's phases, there's explanation, there's both written and visual um, cueing and coaching. And we also have an opportunity if someone has additional, um, they more want they want a deep dive, for instance, maybe on a squat or they feel like they're not recovering effectively, they can sign up for something with Andrew and I called coaches hours, basically kind of modeled off of, you know, office hours. If you, you know, a- attended college, that was yeah. some, that was how you met with your professor. So we're your movement professors and you can sign up for a one time one-on-one individual so that there's no subscription required. There's no contract required. It's just for us to meet with you individually, get down and dirty very quickly into, you know, two or three specific things that you are having an issue with. And then off you go back into your programming. Nice. That's a really, really good concept because again, like this is kind of my issue with the, with the gyms that are similar to yours in terms of all the cool equipment that you have is that it's very much like it's either class-based or you have to do personal training. And for someone like me, like, I feel like I have good fundamentals. I, I know a lot about this stuff already. And so it's like, well, I want to come and use your stuff and be in this environment, but I don't necessarily need one-on-one all the time. So I think this is genius that you offer that. Yeah. We, came into it with that exact person in mind, like a little bit of a hybrid individual. And it's important for us to say also that everyone who comes into our doors does an assessment with us. So for instance, you know, if, if someone exactly like you, who is like, yeah, I have worked out before I'm familiar with 90% of what is in here. And I'm just looking for a space to, and a little bit Mm -hmm. of guidance. Perfect. Um, sometimes that same type of individual is like, but I also have this like one thing that's bothering me. So we'll uncover that in the assessment. We want to make sure that we're understanding everyone's goals clearly. Um, because also like say your goals don't necessarily match up with the open gym program. Like if you're someone who's wanting to compete in bodybuilding, say like, open gym is not going to be enough (laughs) for, you know, someone who's trying to compete at a high level. It's going to get you very far, but we want to make sure that like we're able to provide success for you and that your goals match the programming that we're delivering. Um, So, you know, then we can make an effective recommendation based on the assessment. Mm -hmm. Um, But kind of to your point, we do have some tools. And I think what differentiates us is the curriculum aspect. So, 
every time that a new piece of equipment is being introduced, every time a new concept is being introduced, it's taught. So it's taught through video explanation and it's also taught through um, like written. We know we have a lot of different learning styles and there's anytime anyone is on the floor for open gym, there's a coach available. So nobody is getting a key and coming into the facility and running something on their own. So Andrew and I are there to at least have an eye on folks and be available to answer questions. But our goal for our open gym clients is that they are getting educated to make choices on their own. So once they have the knowledge of like, oh, this is the safety squat bar. I understand now how this feels different than a straight bar. Um, I'm going to start just exploring. And that's what we want for our people is to feel empowered to explore with the different things that we have available under our supervision. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, we want to. I think in that instance, it's not just like a it's definitely like um, a more cost effective approach to getting into the gym. You know, um, you, there's never a question about like, well, what do I do? Oftentimes people come in and they're like, well, I see all this equipment. I kind of know how to use it. But like, what's what's an effective way to, you know, to stimulate change? Like, how often do I need to come in? What do I do? Um, and so we take a lot of the, the guesswork out of that. Um, like Sarah was saying, if an individual wants to come in more often, they definitely can. And we, you know, up to a certain point anyway, we applaud that, um, you know, because two times a week, um, you know, for a, somebody who wants to do bodybuilding, as she mentioned, um, or, or, you know, has performance goals or anything else that's not going to be adequate. And so, you know, our assessment, which is, I think is longer than the average assessment and goes more in depth. Um, but we, you know, we kind of like, we're proud of that, um, because we, you know, we have the background and we have the expertise to go a little bit more in depth and be a little bit more like integrative, looking at different facets of a person's history, their goals, um, we don't want this to be surface level. We want to provide a really robust recommendation so that if somebody wants to go into open gym or maybe they don't even come back to prevail, but they they have they're armed with information about like, OK, here's how I can meaningfully move forward. Um, and so with open gym, the idea there is to enable people to be autonomous, like we want you to be able to be independent, to feel like that you have efficacy you know, for your own fitness. Um, and so in that regard, we're trying to get it to where people, you know, almost don't need us. Um, you know, um, and I think that's a great goal for a coach. You know, we want to have long abiding relationships with people in our community. But if we're enabling people to advocate for themselves, their own fitness for their own goals, um, you know, and they have the ability to be autonomous, um, then that's kind of mission accomplished um, for us. And that's definitely like a, a core part of our philosophy. I think that also applies to think of how many times you maybe go out of town and you stop, you pop into a gym that you're not familiar with. If you've been using equipment or you have this, this education that you've been provided, you're going to feel a lot more, um, I guess, prepared and ready and capable when you're in this new situation, because there's a lot of women in particular that I work with who they don't feel comfortable in a weight room. And so yeah. if they have this opportunity to take the time to learn with the guidance from two coaches that are always there watching and there to answer questions, you're going to feel a lot more confident when you do join a new gym and you walk into the weight room and you're going to say, oh, I know what that equipment is, or I know how to hold that dumbbell, or I know what to do with that kettlebell. So I think this translates to a lot of just building that confidence in people just to, because I think that that is what holds people back is mm -hmm. they don't feel confident in the weight room. They don't know what to do with these things and they don't want to look stupid, even though no one's really watching you. Right. And so I think that plays a big role. So I love that you guys do that and provide that for people. Yeah. And that's, that is a really core part of our mission. And, you know, we want people to 
um, you know, have strength and confidence, not just physical, but mentally, emotionally. And Andrew and I just happened. There's lots of routes to go to, um, you know, develop, um, you know, basically, you know, resilience under stress. But our medium for doing that with people is physical strength. Um, but we truly believe that it carries over into every other quadrant of life. And so, yes, you know, we're so thrilled when people are PRing their lifts and they are gaining mobility in their joints and their connective tissue is happy. But we are so much happier when someone is saying, um, I never thought I could do that. Um, you know, yeah. they're so excited about their PR. They are setting goals from them for themselves that they would have never dreamed to set for themselves six months ago. Like, yeah. that's really what we're trying to do. Yeah, yeah. And I, it sounds like you guys are achieving that. And we talked a little bit about the open gym, but do you also have classes? Like what else is there for people to partake in at Prevail? Yeah, so um, we have classes. We have coaches hours, as Sarah mentioned. Um, so the classes that we have right now that we're, we're running consistently, um, it's an area that we'll probably um, develop more as we go along. But um, we have yin yoga. Um, and so, you know, that, that style of yoga um, some, a lot of individuals are more familiar with like vinyasa and, you know, things that hot yoga, things that are a, a little bit more, we'll say active. Um, but yin yoga is a little bit more geared around fascia, connective tissue, makes a great complement um, in terms of recovery, um, from strength training. Um, so we offer that, um, right now that's on Wednesday mornings. And then, um, Sarah, you can talk a little bit about, um, your class offering. Sure. My class offering is, uh, women's strength training, so it's a strength crew for women, um, whatever your fitness level, and it mimics everything that we've already talked about. Um, I want to provide um, a space for women's, for females. You know, it's anecdotally, obviously, an area of my expertise, but um, I find being part of a community myself of women who lift that I wanted to be able to um you know, continue to make that impact on other women in my community. And I feel that doing it in the class, in the community setting um, is very effective and a really great way to um, enhance someone's life, really. Yeah. So let's get into that. I want to talk about what you guys do, because okay. I think okay. it's so interesting. You both do. It's very similar, but also very different. And so Sarah, you're like this avid power lifter and you have like all these really cool videos on your Instagram of doing all these cool things. And Andrew, you do a lot of like the breath work, the Eldoa, which maybe we needed a whole nother episode to talk about that. <laughs> but I just think it's really, really cool that you guys do like dabble in different things. But again, it has the same underlying mission, I guess. Mm -hmm. So Sarah, I'd love for you to share, you know, how you got into powerlifting, what this means to you. I mean, just go yeah. into that. I think that's so important for people to hear. Sure. So, um, my historically, um, I've been an athlete my whole life. Um, I ran played soccer, uh, was a wrestler. I ran track, um, in college and post college, I was still interested in competing, but I was a long sprint. So I ran 400, 400 hurdles in college. But at that time, um, you know, for someone in their early twenties, and it was at the height of when everyone just started doing marathons and running long distance. And I thought, oh, well, I'm a runner. The only thing really available to me is to run more. So I dabbled in that and I didn't really enjoy it. Um, but I had remembered that um, I really loved lifting in college. Like I always loved training, even though it was, you know, meant to be supplemental to my skill training for track. So I just started to take myself to the gym and just like, 
learn about it and read articles and watch YouTube videos of people. So I sort of guided myself in there just based on what I liked doing. Um, I learned about powerlifting. I had never even heard about it before. I learned about it, I think, in either 2015 or 2016. And it kind of, the history of powerlifting, it's been around for a long time. But when CrossFit started to come into its own, people started to learn about something which we would classify in the powerlifting community as raw powerlifting, which just means you're doing bench, uh, you're doing squats, you're doing deadlifts, but you're not using any equipment, which is kind of what people see in CrossFit. So CrossFit was taking these three movements and broadcasting them to millions of people. And then people started learning about raw powerlifting. So then powerlifting started to become popular. Um, and that's how I started learning about it. It was right at that time. So I um, was lucky enough that one of um, a client of mine, her husband had been a big powerlifter in the 70s. <laughs> and um, they're a family that I still am very close with. I train them now. Um, and he basically took me under his wing and was like, I'll train you for a meet. And if you like it, you should keep doing it. Wow. So I like went to watch a meet um, somewhere in like Wilmington, Ohio. I'm not even sure where it was. And I just was like, okay, this looks really cool. I'm going to do this. So I trained for like 12 weeks, did a meet in Springboro, Ohio, in the basement of a YMCA. <laughs> Um, and I, you know, whatever I completed my first meet, um, you know, I had some issues of course, but I had like the most fun in the world, which is a lot to say because powerlifting meets can be kind of boring. They last like 16 hours. Too, <laughs> it's a lot though. of sitting around. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to do this. So my, yeah, my coach at the time, he, and I just decided like, yeah, you need to find like a more, you know, like a true training crew. Like this is what powerlifting is about. You need to get in with the community. Um, so I got connected with um, the sweatshop and my coach now whose name is Laura Phelps she is a multiple times over all-time world record record holder she is a pioneer in the sport she is known for paving the way for women um so I train in Cincinnati just down the road from here at the sweatshop and um now I do something that's called equipped powerlifting, which is different from raw in the sense that we use something we call gear, which is um, kind of like singlets made of canvas, um, shirts that are made of canvas um, to enhance the movements that we're already doing. So it's still squatting, it's still benching, it's still deadlifting, um, but it's uh, it's a more I would say technical. It's on the technical spectrum of the of the sport. Um, you can lift more weight <laughs> when you are using the gear, but you also have to be strong enough to control it because um, you're kind of using physics. Like whatever you push into the gear, you're gonna get back out and lift. But if you're out of position, like things happen and can go south very quickly. So um, you know, a way bigger reward, but much higher risk as well. Yeah, I've seen people getting into that. Yeah, I, like I hold my breath watching them get yeah. into that. It is tight. Like yeah, it looks it's very yeah, tight. It's very tight. Like on my legs right now, I'm actually breaking in a new pair of what we call briefs, and like it's just cut. Like it's just there's open skin. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It looks very very tight. Not to so, put anybody off. It's fun as heck. It's so fun though. So yeah, how it's did, so fun. When did you make that transition of raw to wearing raw to wearing the gear? Like what yeah. was? When did you say like okay, I'm yeah. ready for the next? So thing. I had done three three raw meets and I 
had kind of realized, okay, this is really important to me. I had like rearranged my work schedule so that I could get in with a training crew that I felt like was going to enhance my performance and was going to push me and help me learn more about the sport. Um, And at that time, I had already previously had two knee surgeries and I was starting to have a little bit of trouble. So the thing that is good about gear is that it can kind of preserve you. There's, you know, pros and cons with everything, but the recovery um, can be a lot better. It's way less wear and tear on your joints. Um, so people in on the geared side, they tend to see more acute injuries because things go wrong very quickly, where people on the raw side of things tend to see more chronic issues due to like high volume, repetitive movement, things like that, tendonitis, et cetera. Not that there can't be a crossover. Of course they can, but just generally speaking. So I was starting to think, okay, I'm going to just start start slow, get in a pair of briefs. Um, I train something called conjugate style, which means that I do two max effort days, a lower body and an upper body, and then two dynamic effort days, which means speed work. So it's um, higher volume, lower weight, very quickly executed very quickly. Um, So I thought, okay, on my speed days, when things aren't so heavy, I'm going to start to learn how to use the briefs because you squat differently. You have to understand that you are, you know, it's kind of, it's another force. So if you're just dealing with straight, you're dealing with bar weight and gravity. Now you're also dealing with a third component that you have to be in charge of manipulating. You cannot let the gear manipulate you or you're going to be in big trouble. So, um, but right around that time I ended up my knee, I I had made the decision to get into briefs and right. I just ended up having a knee injury. Mm -hmm. So the week that my briefs came in, I ended up having knee surgery. Um, so, and then after that, it just became kind of a necessity because I was trying to work around, um, my injury. And so I was still training four days a week. I was still doing everything that I could. I was working, um, I was doing PT and I was able to do lower body stuff. Um, but for about a year, I was sort of avoiding some of the heavy raw things. I was doing a lot more to increase the efficacy of my knee joint, my hip joint, and all the connective tissue that had been damaged and was repaired in surgery. Um, and then I just kind of like fell in love with, um, the process. It's, it's, it's highly cognitive, highly technical. It's a lot of problems solving, which I love. Um, and so I, and I really enjoyed, um, the, the learning curve as well. Like there's always something more to learn. Um, and I also just like, it's, you know, like I said, it is a bit risky and I enjoy (laughs) that type of rush. Yeah. Yeah. What is your training look like now? How many Mm -hmm. days a week? I know you said the conjugate style, but what does, so is that four days a week that you said? So I lift four days a week on Monday nights. I do a max effort, um, usually a squat, but sometimes it's a deadlift. So that's a lower body. Um, Tuesdays, I kind of have like a recovery day. I'll work on things like um, that, I, that are either bothering me or areas of my body that I want to build up. I'm always working on my triceps. I have very long arms. So lockout um, on the bench press can be a little bit of an issue for me. So that's something that I'm kind of constantly, um, you know, trying to keep up and I have to do a little bit more work on that myself. Um, I can't just do the run of the mill programming. I have to enhance my program myself. Um, so Tuesdays are kind of like my day to sort of figure out things that I need to know. Wednesday mornings, I do max bench. Thursdays are my day off. Um, I have a rigorous work day. So for recovery, I don't do anything. Fridays, I do my speed squats and sometimes some deadlifting. And then Saturday mornings, I do my 
bench press, speed bench press. Um, and then Sundays I like to do something outside. Like, um, sometimes we go to, um, I go to like the stadium or a walk, like just to get some fresh air and things like that. Yeah. Um, but the non-negotiables are like the four days a week. If I have to ever cut back on something else, I'll cut back on a Tuesday and I'll cut back on the intensity on a Sunday and just do like breath work or just go outside. Yeah. What had, what would you say? I know you mentioned the importance of the community aspect Mm -hmm. or to the powerlifting and how you got into that, but um, what would you say personally, this type of training has done for you? Cause we had like, a, we were talking before we recorded, we had Michelle yeah. Mason on who mm-hmm. she's also yeah. a powerlifter. And she talked a lot about how that, how this has influenced her, like gaining strength in the gym yeah. has given her strength outside of the gym. And what has this done for you? Because this can really be intense and yeah. this is, um, it's taxing in a lot of ways, this type of training. So what do you, what do you think keeps you going back? Like, what has this done for you personally? Yeah, I think, you know, I know Michelle and respect her. I think she and I probably, like many women in the powerlifting community have, you know, all of us are individuals, but we have similar stories. Um, historically, the sports that I've been into, they, you know, for some reason, you know, whether I was told you know, straight to my face, or it was just, you know, messaging, it was all kind of like, your performance is only going to be better if you're smaller. And that was something that is, is, you know, can still be prevalent in powerlifting. Luckily for me, it's not prevalent in the community that I'm in. Um, you know, I, and so for me, I realized that the more that I powerlifted, the more that I, I started to, um, I felt like before I started my, my body had gotten away from me in the sense of I didn't know it. I didn't know my own self. Um, and it was sort of, it was hard for me to distinguish what is truly me and what are, what are things that I was just told should be me? Oh my gosh. That's such a good question. And so, um, the more that I started lifting, the more that I started understanding, um, how much can I take? Um, you know, it's for, you know, and I train for performance. So this wouldn't, you know, what I'm doing is, is, you know, of course it's extremely important to my emotional and mental health physically. Yes, I'm very strong, but you know, of course there's so much wear and tear when you're, when you're being competitive. So this is definitely different than lifting for health, what I'm doing. Um, but that being said, the risk to me is worth it because I gained so much back on an individual level. Um, yes, I have, you know, I truly feel like I can do whatever I want to do at any time, whether it's in the gym or not. Um, I'm definitely someone who, you know, hard work for me has paid off. Um, and so, and just stick to you know, my personal brand is called persist fitness. Like I will go until like to my detriment, I will just keep going. Um, and so that is a good fit for powerlifting. That is a good fit, um, for, you know, someone who's advocating for their clients and that's a good fit for entrepreneurs. So (laughs) right now, so right now, you know, I'm, 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 I figured out where that, where that kind of my personality seems to fit. Um, and that's, and that's the thing, like, even though I was in an athletic and a highly competitive environment, my whole life, I always still sort of felt like an outlier. Um, but I didn't feel like an outlier in powerlifting and I didn't feel like an outlier in the gym because, um, and especially where I train, we really value the individual. So back to the community, especially with equipped powerlifting, there's no possible way that I could do it alone. Um, I can't get into my gear by myself. I have to rely on my training partners to tighten my stuff up. You know, my training partners are, you know, 
they're not, I just happen to be a strength coach. There's all walks of life in there, but do those people know how to give me feedback and know what a squat should look like and know how to make me better? Yes. They are very competent, highly qualified individuals. So, um, I need those people to be providing me feedback and then I need them to, to, you know, to help me in and out of my stuff. I need them to, you know, spot my lifts. Like there's literally no way I could do it alone. Um, and there's just something about, you know, like, my, my health and my life is on the line sometimes, especially, you know, getting under a heavy bar for whatever lift, you know, so you're relying on those people and I trust them completely, um, Mm. in the gym and out of the gym. Yeah. That's amazing. I think it's, I think that is what keeps some people together is having Mm -hmm. the gym community. Cause think of, I mean, we love, the three of us love to lift. A lot of people who listen to this also love to lift and exercise and do all that. But there is such a mental an emotional connection that we have with the physical exercise that we do. Yeah. And so to have that community is so important because think of how many times that you maybe were struggling with something or, you know, personally, but you knew you had your gym community. That can be such a, a game changer for people. Yes. So it's important to have that community and you have that individually, but then you also foster that for other people, which I think is really important. Is yeah. you guys now provide that to other people. So you're kind of giving it back. In yeah, a way. I mean, once I experienced that, I was like, this is my priority. <laughs> my priority is to provide something, you know, similar to this. And I'm not asking anyone to power lift. You know, everything's relative, but I do want people to push themselves in that way and be supported. So part of my women's classes, I'm teaching my clients, this is how you spot your teammates. This is, you know, this is how you load and unload correctly. You know, we're we're providing a safe and inclusive environment. Um, so it's not just about the lifting, it's about the skills of being part of that group. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Before we move on to Andrew, I want you to, I want you to kind of brag, like, tell me some of your totals. Tell me something like, let's talk about how strong you actually are. Uh, and maybe explain what it means to people who don't know about powerlifting. So powerlifting is really straightforward. You go to a meet, you compete in a squat, a bench and a deadlift. You get three tries at each lift. Um, if you don't get any of your lifts, that's called bombing out. You can't proceed with the meet, but you can miss two and get one and move forward. Um, there are some rules. There are some technicalities that aren't important for this conversation, but there's standards that you have to hit. You can't just kind of do yeah, whatever like you want. Judges there's judges watching. Yeah. Exactly. There's judges watching and they have to give you a white light, which yeah. means it's a good lift. Um, so then you take your biggest lift from your squat, your biggest lift from your bench and your biggest lift from your deadlift. You add that together and that's your total. And essentially whoever has the biggest total is the winner. Um, powerlifting has weight classes so that you can, you know, you're competing within your weight class. Um, but you're also, you might be competing, you know, against all of the other women at the meet. Um, and there's something called a coefficient, which basically takes into consider. It's a formula that takes into consideration you weigh X and you lifted Y and this person did the same thing. So for instance, I was, I might be in a weight class with somebody and, um, she weighs in two pounds less than me and has lifted more than me, or we lift the same. She would default win because she's weighed in less. So, so there's, there's, you know, some details and some nuance, um, in regards to that, but yeah, it's sort of, you know, I have a running history. It's like how, whoever runs the fastest is the winner. Whoever lifts the most is the winner. It's really straightforward. Yeah. The barbell does not lie. Yeah. You either lift it or you don't. Yep. Yeah. I love that. What, what, what's like one of your most proudest meets or your totals that you've had so far? Um, so this past year I had a very, uh, rigorous and challenging, um, training protocol, um, starting in December actually of 
last or really in October of last year, um, my training group started training for um, something called the Women's Pro-Am, which if anybody doesn't know what that is, please look it up. It's an all women's meet that happens in Cincinnati, Ohio. It's the biggest women's meet in the world. Um, And we get all kinds of fun things that happen that weekend. And that happens. So we were training for that in December. It got canceled because of COVID. We rescheduled it for April. So we did meet prep, meet prep. And then I competed in April. And that was my first geared meet. So I'm proud of that meet because um, the gear is challenging to learn. Technically, it can be a bit difficult, but I made it through my first meet. Um, I was going for something called a pro total, which is essentially a standard that's designated by the federation that you're competing in. So every weight class has um, what would be called like an amateur total and a pro total. And so I was trying to achieve that pro total. I didn't get it in April. So my coach and I decided um, it wasn't really a strength issue. I had some challenges on bench press with my equipment. My shirt was I was just having challenges that day yeah um and so um we decided to just roll me right into another meet prep and then I competed again in June um and at that meet in June I went to Michigan and um I squatted 520 I bench pressed 305 and I deadlifted 465 and so I totaled (laughs) like 1295. So, um, I was able to get my pro total and I've just been taking, I just had an off season. I've just been off season now. That's amazing. (laughs) Thank you. That's incredible. I love that. What a cool story too, especially because you had to delay it, right? So you early, you like you went for it, you didn't get it, but you didn't give up. You're like, okay, feedback, adjust, feedback, adjust. Exactly. And that's all part. Like there's never like a, this is it. Like I figured it out. No, that's never how it is. You're always just fine tuning. Um, Yeah. And for those who don't know, like doing two back-to-back meets, like you might do two meets in a year. Yeah. Like we don't, we don't compete all like it's kind of like a marathon you do two in a year and that's it so doing you know a a a meat prep meat prep meat prep like I was that was that was good for me so I've been enjoying my off season (laughs) yeah Yeah. I bet yeah Yeah. you deserve it yeah thank you (laughs) that's awesome I love that well if you have questions about powerlifting reach out to Sarah yes I would like to talk to anyone about powerlifting yeah Yeah. go you know go learn about the women's strength group that she does I mean it sounds like there's a lot of good opportunities to at least be introduced to it Yes. So yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Andrew, what are you up to these days for your, for your movement and your strength and all that? What are your goals? Um, well, let's see. So I would say, um, just to like set the stage there, uh, whereas I feel like Sarah's maybe a little bit more, um, not all in on like one thing. Um, but compared to me, (laughs) definitely a little bit more like monolithic in terms of like her pursuit. Although, um, you know, we get out on occasion, just us and move around sometimes. And I can attest to her versatility. Like she's super strong, but also I'll just throw random things at her that no like muscle bound person should be able to do. And she's like, not even surprisingly mobile. She's just a very, sorry, I'm tooting your horn for you a little bit, but um, (laughs) like a very well-rounded, like a true athlete, you know? Um, And so I have a lot of respect for her in that regard because she can do this one thing very well. But, um, everything else she does pretty well too, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so a lot of versatility there. Um, and so that, that's actually, um, so she's like my model client, um, because, um, (laughs) she's very strong. That's a, that's an emphasis for her. Um, there's a quote by this coach, Brett Bartholomew. He's, um, he does like art of coaching. He's on social media. He's an awesome guy, but, um, it's kind of like a, a little bit of a guiding philosophy for me in terms of like my coaching practice, but then also just what I like to do personally. And that's that, um, Strength is um, 
strength is absolute. It's like, a, imagine strength as a glass, right? So the stronger the glass, the bigger the glass, um, the more you can fill up, you know, yourself with whatever you want, right? But um, strength is kind of this foundational um, attribute that we want to build so that we can then have the opportunity to go anywhere, do anything, um, you know, if you want to become a pro powerlifter, strength is going to enable you to do that. If you want to become like an excellent sprinter, you know, um, strength is going to enable you to do that and on and on and on. Um, but also like even away from performance goals, strength is going to help you with longevity. You know, um, you don't know this until you know this, but then once, once, um, I don't know, maybe you hit 40 or something like that, you begin to think about things like, um, bone density and, you know, muscle mass, you know, because at a certain point, you know, um, just time and aging begins to, to turn against you a little bit, or you begin to just think about those things a little bit more aches and pains, things like that. And so you begin to, you know, think about, well, how can I kind of like, you know, build up my body or at least maintain like what I've, you know, what I've gained so that I can, you know, age gracefully, or I can continue to be active and do what I want to do, you know, as long as I can possibly do it. And so strength is, is hugely important for that. And so, um, so for myself and even for my clients, um, you know, I'll train most of my clients at, you know, differently at a different like level of intensity probably than I train myself, but there's definitely a continuum there. And so I like to think about organizing training around like the concept of, um, like anti-fragility. Yeah. Okay. And so it's the idea of, um, you know, Sarah mentioned resilience. And so it's the ability to kind of bounce back under adversity. Um, you know, and so, um, like lifting a weight is an excellent metaphor for that, you know, so we have something that's trying to crush us or, you know, or gravity is, um, you know, we're always fighting against gravity. So we always are fighting or work working against, I should say resistance. And so it's like, how well are we able to kind of, um, you know, measure up to that and, and, and either work with that or how, how, how well are we able to kind of like stand up against that, you know? Um, and so a lot of my training, um, with individuals is, is around that. I work with a lot of people who are kind of like post rehab, um, or who have, um, just concerns about being able to move well, want to build strength for longevity, um, and things like that. And so I've accumulated a lot of tools, yeah. um, around helping with that. Um, and so, um, my own personal, I guess, training style is, um, I love to, I love to lift. I love the, the big lifts. Um, and uh, um, I'm not as well accomplished as Sarah, I would say. Not many people, <laughs> not many people that you'll talk to are. But, um, you know, I love to squat, deadlift, bench, um, overhead press, um, all of those things. Um, for me personally, my I think my first love is in calisthenics. And so I love body weight movement. Um, for those who don't know, that could be something um, as just kind of like basic and well-known as a push-up. Um, but then it can get into things that are a little bit more, um, a little bit more, uh, difficult and challenging. It's very, it's skill-based movement. Um, and so that could get into, um, different, like more challenging pull-up variations or things that are done like in competitive gymnastics, like front levers or planches or, or, you know, French words that nobody <laughs> listening probably knows the meaning of, yeah. but things that are more, you know, more challenging. And so I see a lot of like efficacy around being able to move my body in any direction that I want to, you know, in space. Um, and so that I think gets into a little bit more of my style of training, which, you know, I have a broad like perspective on fitness, which is that I just want to have the ability to move my body with ease, um, in any activity, in any direction, doing almost anything that I, I can. So it's very broad. 
And so I have like an eclectic kind of mix of things that I like to do. So that could be everything from like rock climbing to hiking to, um, you know, Sarah, I'll tell you, like, I mean, I'll go out in the woods and I don't know, I could be like doing some random weird thing with some huge rock or something like that. <laughs> or I, I don't know, I'm doing like handstand walks on logs or, or you know, whatever. I'm just, so having that kind of curiosity around movement, around strength, and then just building um, like autonomous autonomy and like feeling like efficacy in my body. Um, parkour is another thing that I, I love to do. Um, I was just um, where do you do that around here? Um, so you can do it outside anywhere. Okay. Um, so there's that. Um, <laughs> um, it's good to do it with somebody if you're going to do that, because you might need somebody to like call an ambulance. Or, no, it's, it's not necessarily that dire. Um, um, but there's a studio on the um, the west side of town called Swift Movement. It's really the only like parkour studio in town. Um, and so they're really just like these big kind of think about like Super Mario Brothers. There are these big gigantic blocks, you know, that you're just jumping on. And jumping off of um that's kind of what parkour is um but the idea is that you're you're running and you're jumping over and through obstacles um and uh you're trying to do it in the most efficient manner possible kind of getting from point a to point b so it's a lot of skill-based movement again um and so i like to pull in very much a generalist i pull in a lot of different things to try to just build that underlying like sense of efficacy and, um, you know, definitely try to the best of my ability with everything that I do to um, like safeguard against injury. So I like to do things that I feel like don't just allow me to like bounce back, but also, you know, help me to to grow in strength, you know, and um, like get me um, as far away from pain <laughs> as I can. Um, and so, uh, yeah, that's a little scattershot, but I think that that, yeah. that gets it. Um, so I'm doing a lot of different things um, and cross training, I guess you would say. Um, to re really build like a very broad base. Yeah. One thing that is common from both of you that you mentioned is that you're doing it to have that awareness of your body and to really see what you're capable of. And I think that's at the root of a lot of people who, you know, have a little bit more of a serious dedication or discipline to training is we want to see what can my body do? Where is my body in space and time right now? Can I control it? Mm -hmm. I think you, both of you mentioned that, but in different capacities, and I just thought that was really interesting that it really does come down to that for a lot of like, I want to feel capable. So if something happens to me, can I handle it? And can I recover from it? And can I be less fragile? Mm -hmm. So I think that's yeah. awesome that you mentioned that. All right. So we talked about what you guys do for yourselves. We talked about what you do for clients. So I'd like now for you to give a health challenge for the listeners of what they can do this week to maybe bring awareness to exercise or their own body. So what are you guys thinking for the challenge? I'll start. <laughs> okay. Um, we, yeah, we were talking a little bit about this. Um, we want something actionable. Um, but um, so based off of, um, you know, a lot of the the individuals that come into the gym and they're a part of our community, right? Um, Sarah mentioned individuals that are sedentary or maybe people that are coming off of an injury. Um, but we also see a lot of individuals that are curious about like um, strength training a little bit more seriously um, and kind of like pushing their limits a little bit. And so... Um, I know like with the podcast, you know, there's probably a lot of individuals who are active, um, maybe not, but if, you know, if you are, um, you know, but, you know, and there's, we're, we're blessed um, and fortunate, I think like in our society and in our culture today to be, um, we're, we're almost like consumers of fitness or consumers of exercise. I mean, there's just, there are so many different opportunities. There's like, um, 
like an Oakley, I think it's still there, but like fly bungee fitness, you know, so you can just jump around on bungee cords, you know, yeah. um, or you can go and do yoga or Pilates or bar or, or, your, or, you know, go to like more of like a traditional, maybe strength training gym, you know, and, and on and on and on there's goat yoga, you know, so if you want animals with your movement, you can do that too. Um, so there are so many different opportunities for movement. Um, one area that I think we see a lot of opportunity for people in general is not just strength training, you know, um, all of those things in, uh, involve strength training in some capacity, um, but most of them won't take you, um, won't kind of like fulfill the promise or the potential that your body has, unless you're very like, you're more mindful about strength training and you're really seeking to build strength. Um, you know, in every one of those, even with body weight, you know, you can get very strong um, with body weight movement, but that's not all sufficient. Um, so strength training, um, is, um, and, and dedicated strength training is going to, to help you develop both like physically and I think mentally, emotionally, you know, and you guys mentioned, um, I always kind of think of like, you know, strength training and, and learning about your body physically and really developing it is a great way to kind of like back in to a lot of like psychological terrain, um, that sometimes we're afraid to, to move into directly, like by going to therapy or something like that. So we find it therapeutic um, and it opens, it can open cans of worms in ways that aren't like intimidating or off-putting, you know, so there's a lot to that. Um, so I think that, um, but there's some misconceptions around strength training that are out there and it's a long-winded approach to what we're talking about. But the idea would be um, like take inventory of what you do. You know, if you're a runner, if you do yoga, if you do multiple things, multiple kind of mod modalities, or you consider yourself to have a very active lifestyle, ask yourself like what role does strength training play in my, my weekly routine? Um, and so what a big part of what we're driving at is that we want people to strength train, but we want them to strength train with... Um, you know, it's relative to each individual and meeting meeting yourself where you're at. A coach can be very helpful for providing you with the guidance on that to do it safely and responsibly. But we want people to strength train with a degree of rigor and to learn what it feels like to strength train with an intensity that's going to help their body adapt. Because a lot of times, you know, we think about, um, you know, strength training, you know, with, I don't know, the, the five pound dumbbells or something. like. And there are exercises where five pound dumbbells can be very challenging. You know, um, so it's not to to um, to belittle that, but um, a lot of times with strength training, we see individuals who aren't like doing it with a level of intensity or aren't kind of like going or getting close to like the edge that they could be getting to. That's really going to like elicit the beneficial change that they're they're searching for. Um, so I think in broad strokes, it's about like taking inventory of your routine. Um, Sarah, how would you add to that? Right. Yeah. So I, I totally agree. Um, I think, you know, the challenge that we would want to pose to your listeners is, you know, if you are someone who already incorporates strength training, um, are you being mindful and intentional about what you're doing? Um, we want to push you to lift a weight that is within, you know, two reps of failure. So just simply moving a weight doesn't mean you're strength training. There has to be, you know, you need to elicit a certain, um, you know, stimulus on your body in order for an adaptation to occur. So we want to challenge your listeners to go a little heavier this week. You know, if you usually pick up, you know, X amount of weight, we want you to go five pounds up for that movement and, you know, see, am I truly getting close to my threshold? Could I do five more reps? Mm -hmm. If you could do five more, you need to go a little bit heavier. Um, and if you aren't someone who is familiar with strength, 
strength training, um, but you have, you know, go to the weight section in a gym. If you're someone who is maybe sedentary, you know, that doesn't mean that you're not picking things up. You're carrying heavy groceries. So look around your life and think, am I strong enough for my daily activities? The answer is probably, probably no, unfortunately. Um, but challenge yourself, like check your bias and think where are there areas where I, I could, you know, do a little bit more. So, you know, we want you to push it in the weight mm -hmm. section this week and then also do something hard. Like that's kind of where we're coming from. Yes. I love it. That's been kind of the theme of like, what can you do that pushes your body enough, but also like is an opportunity to learn more about what you're capable of. Yes. Right. So yeah. I and love if you're that, not in yeah. the, you're not in an environment or you feel like you don't know someone or you don't have the expertise on your own to do it responsibly or you have a lot of questions then you know seek out it could be prevail it could be somewhere else yeah. Um, but yeah, seek out that space and seek out the um you know the expertise that you need in order to give you the opportunity to explore this further right and if you if you're listening and you have questions of like well where do we you know what are these resources just reach out if, if it's not someone that we've interviewed before. There's plenty of other people out in the area that mm -hmm. I could connect you with or that Sarah and Andrew can connect sure. you with. So this has been awesome. Thank you so much for coming in and taking the time to talk with us. Thank you. I think this information is going to be so helpful. And I love this conversation. You've motivated me to like reevaluate my goals and what I'm doing for my training. Um, so where can people find you? Maybe like social media websites? What's that information? Yeah. So our website is thisisprevail.com and our Instagram handle is the same at thisisprevail. Um, Andrew's individual um, Instagram is at Andrew Casson mm -hmm. and mine is um, at Persist Fitness Training. Um, if you want to see powerlifting, though, you can go to my personal, which is at Fitbuck. Yes. That might be a separate thing. <laughs> I yeah. recommend you Fitbook do that. Sensei. Just oh, Fitbuck Cincy. Yeah, what is my Instagram? <laughs> okay, yeah. I will link yeah, it. It's at some mm -hmm. Fitbuck Cincy. It will be linked in the show notes. Well, I have all this link for people to go to. Your website will be linked. Um, and you guys know that you can find me at Holistically Restored on Instagram. Reach out with questions, comments, share this episode with people who would benefit from listening to it. And I hope you have a wonderful week.